uh, you, you commit to faithful men which are be able to teach other men uh, as they move on. And that, that's what I see here. That's what I see, uh, see in, in, the, in the, uh, the Bible Institute that you have, the college courses. That's what I see in him developing men for the ministry. Some of those men, some of you men being developed, God's going to call you out of this ministry into other ministries, just like he did this great man of God here. I tell you what, I would have loved to kept kept him there, man. Can you imagine? We would, I, I, I'm convinced. I might be wrong, but I'm convinced if you had stayed there, you know, you, y'all probably wouldn't have him as the pastor here. <laughs> I, he, he probably went moved into the pastor, and I went and I would have moved on out and planted another church. But, but God's will be done. But it's glad, I'm glad to see God developing more men, and, and God's gonna call these men uh, into the ministry. And when I say men. Uh, ladies, uh, see, there's a lot of problem with men. That's why I'm spending a lot of time on men. We got to get us fellas straight. Uh, but you can help me out, and we'll maybe ho- hopefully the Lord will lead us as we'll talk about the the, the valuable uh, uh, importance of women that women play in the ministry. And we may, if the Lord gives me liberty to preach that, we're going to you know talk about you being the help builder and. We'll see how the Lord goes with that. But let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll move on. I want to just uh, share with you four things this morning as we, we wade off. And I'm, uh, I'm going to have my, my uh, slides. I, and, and, and I'm spoiled back home because I can see what y'all are saying back there. I can look and go, okay, I see what they're saying. Now i got to, okay, uh, not saying nothing. All right, good. You're supposed to be saying nothing right now. <laughs> So if I turn my back on you to look and see what y'all are saying, don't, don't get offended, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this church. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness to sustain it these 33 years. And Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do with this church in the years to come before Christ comes and raptures this church out of here and raptures us all out. But Lord, in the meantime, help us to continue to labor. We're excited about what you're going to do. I, I thank you, Lord God, for... Lord, how you're ministering to me. Lord, help me to minister to your people today. Lord, help me to guard. Lord, just guard my, my tongue from saying things that I shouldn't say. And Lord, give me the strength to say the things that I need to say. And give me the courage to say it. Lord, I pray that you bless the hearing of the word of God today. I, bless, I pray that you bless the preaching of the word of God. I, I pray uh, in particular for, for Pastor McGovern and Mary Ann. Lord, I pray, Father in heaven, that you will just continue to keep that hedge about them. Lord, that you'll continue to reconstitute them. Lord, that you'll bless them, that you'll protect them, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you protect this church. Lord, for your honor, for your glory, and for our good. Now, Lord, meet with us today as we look into your word, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Revival. We're having revival meeting. We're just having a meeting. It's not some magical thing that takes place where when you have a meeting, revival breaks out. Revival is an individual choice for every single individual. We cannot schedule revival. We can schedule a meeting. The pastor scheduled a meeting. But where revival takes place today? And I believe there's four things we need to take a look at. And we'll show you some things, and forgive me, I have to look back, because, you know, know, I'm at that age. I'm at that age now where I'm authorized to have some timers. That's senior moments. All right. 
You guys who are young, y'all keep y'all laughing now, but I tell you what, you're going to join me if you keep living. Man, I never thought that my mind would, my, my, mind, my mind is deteriorating, man. I, I got so, so much information in my head, and it's just all jumbled up. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, will you please do a defrag on me? <laughs> you know what a defrag is, man. You got all this information, you know, on the computer it shows these different blocks, color blocks and stuff like that. And you got the green, the yellow, and red and all that sort of stuff there. And you see, you see some red over here, and then way on down there, that's some red. But that's that information that belongs over here too. And you got a bunch of stuff in between. And so it's like that computer, when it gets all this stuff jumbled up, it's, it's working, but it just takes a long time. It just slows down. When you put it in defrag, they go, okay, excuse me, excuse me, let me go here. I belong to that red over there. Or excuse me, I belong. And what happens, all, these, all this information begins to get back and connected. And, and then uh, the computer, man, it, 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 it goes on and operates at optimum speed. Right now, this, this is a Willie Bird. <laughs> Whew. I got so much information here, and it's all, it's all uh, fragmented. <laughs> Who was uh, Brother Rob this morning? <laughs> He's peeping over my shoulder. He said, are you, still, are you still adding to your outline? I said, Brother, it's still coming down. <laughs> Four things this morning. So, Brother Jerry, only thing what I need to do is just move it to the, to the left or to the right. Or do, do I need to match the button and turn it on? It's on? Something's on? Okay. We're looking at God's message about himself. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter number 6. I believe this is so foundational. You know, we sang some good songs this morning. Psalm 51. God renew a right spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. I believe it's so fundamental when it comes to revival that we have to start at the baseline with God. In the beginning, God. You can't get straight without God. You can't get revived without God. And I believe one of the fundamental things that needs to take place when it comes to revival, is that we as God's people, we need to get a renewed vision of who God is. Amen. Mitchell was talking about this, uh, this, uh, these lenses that we look through. We've got to look through the correct lens, the biblical lens. And let me say this here too. When we look through that lens... We have to pray and say, Lord God, remove all the preconceived ideas that I have when I'm looking through your lens at your word. Because we have, we have this great temptation to make God into our image. Where we are made in the image of God, and we have a tendency when we want to view God, we want to view him through our lens the way we are. And hallelujah, thank the good Lord, he's not like Willie Bird. And thank the good Lord, he's not like you. Man, I tell you what, in my best thinking, I'm still corrupt. 
In my best thinking, I'm still selfish. Man, I want things to be run my way when it should be, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And we have a tendency to view God in our image and try to mold him and, and take his word and make his word fit our mold that we like. But God is not like that, man. I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful to God. I can't buffalo God around. I can't threaten God. You can try. Okay? Uh, and you know, maybe this, this week we're going to be talking about the strongest thing that God ever gave you. The strongest thing that God, God ever gave you. Now, y'all listen to me. The strongest thing that God ever gave you was something known as a free will. It's so strong that God won't override it. But don't let that free will confuse you. It's kind of like a story I heard one time. Where in the animal kingdom, they were walking around saying, who was king? And old Mr. Lion jumped up there and said, hey, I am king. And they go into this ice cream parlor. And the monkey's sitting down at the, at the stool. And then you got the other animal sitting down there. And he comes in there, who's the king of beasts? Monkey, ah, you, Mr. Lion. That's right. Then he comes over to the elephant. Who's king, Mr. Elephant? The elephant didn't say nothing. He just took his trunk, wrapped around it, <laughs> the, the lion's neck. Boom, 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 boom. Threw him off. You figure it out. There are people today that think that they can overpower God. And beloved, I'm telling you, teenagers, children, if you're old enough to be saved, you're old enough to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to get to know the God of your Father. You need to get to, go, need, need to, get to know God. And boy, we all, including me, need to get a fresh glimpse about God. Who God is. And you can try like Mr. Lion and go up there buffalo and elephant if you want to. And you, <laughs> who was the Mitchell was talking about? That, 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 that fierce, <laughs> that fierce Leviathan. <laughs> you, you're only going to battle him one time if you survive. Because you ain't going to go back messing with him no more. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, God, we need to get a, a fresh, renewed vision of God. Here in Isaiah chapter number 6, in verse 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw, uh, I saw also the Lord seated upon the throne high and lifted up, and his, thing, his train filled the temple. And what happened as a result of that? We get down in verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips and dwelleth in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have, uh, have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Man, I'm telling you what. It's nothing like for you to get an, an accurate, renewed, fresh view of God in your life. There's three things. You know, God does things in threes. He's a triune God. He made us in his image and likeness. 
And I know the debate goes on about dualism and all that sort of stuff there. But I do know this from Scripture that God has made man body, soul, and spirit. Now, I've tried to reconcile that with using other things, but I think the only thing that I can, I can, I can, I can, I can uh, uh, visualize God, uh, who God is and what he's like, is when I look at man because he made man in his own image and likeness. Now, I've tried the egg thing. You know, you got the shell, you got the yolk, and you got the you got that uh that little clear stuff. And, and but that but that but that clear stuff by itself is not an egg. Jesus Christ is still God. Amen. Talk about water. It's a vapor, it can be a liquid, or it can be a solid. You know, but that's that's just called modalism. It's just changing modes. Man, if you look at God and you understand that God we need to understand that God is omnipresent, that God is omnipotent, and that God is omniscient. That is, God is everywhere at the same time, and that God knows all there is to know about everything everywhere and anyone, including who you are and what you're thinking right now. You, you know, I, I, I have really been very careful when I use the word awesome. Man, when you say, man, whoo, that cake was awesome. I say that, if that was awesome, then what are you going to say for God? Oh, that was awesome. Then what is God? Man, listen. There's certain words you ought to reserve for certain things. Amen. And truly, and truly, and truly is God awesome. Amen. And Isaiah, uh, he was a preacher and he, God had prospered him under the uh, leadership of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah. And he was doing pretty, pretty well. Brother McGovern, the offerings were good <laughs> under his reign. But then he died. You know, sometimes we can get dependent upon the way things are, are going when it's just prosperity, prosperity going on. We kind of get relaxing in that. It's not until someone dies sometimes that we see God in a different light. In August of 2010, my dad, who's my hero, died. And my dad, as my hero, when he died, he went to the grave hurt. He was so hurt, he wanted to hurt everybody, including me. And the only thing he left us was his name. He taken all that he had and gave it to a stranger because he wanted to hurt his, his children and his wife. And he did a good job. Seven months later, my mother, March 19, 2011, went home to be with the Lord. The mother that brought me into this world. The mother that made me feel like a million bucks. She would dress me up. And you see, back during those times, they, they bought your clothes that you grew into. They never bought your clothes to fit. You had to grow into them. And I was slow growing. <laughs> And she had those oversized pants on me and the oversized coat on me. And she had dressed me up and sit me up and said, my little man. And I tell you what, I felt like I, felt like I was a little a prince. But then my mother went home 
to be with the Lord. And God began to show me some things about him that I had never seen before. I began to get a new glimpse of God. You know, at one time I thought God was going through time right along with me. <laughs> Some of you may think that. I'm like, okay, we're gonna, God's going to see what's going to happen. God already knows what's going to happen. God showed me, really, don't you know that 50 trillion years ago is in my very presence? And 50 trillion years from now is in my very presence? That's why he can say, I am. Amen. I am. 50 trillion years ago. You see, God, oh, God is so huge. I mean, we don't have enough words to really describe God. But God began to show me, and even now to this day, I mean, it's going on 12 years. But uh, uh, God's beginning to show me that, really, you're just scratching the surface of who I am. And I feel, I feel like, Lord, I don't know much of nothing. Beware when you think you know too much. Beware when you can't learn nothing else. God tells us to grow in grace and to grow in knowledge. Amen. So for this revival to take place, we're going to have to have a renewed vision of God. He's omnipresent. That is, he's right here, right now. He's with you wherever you go. You can't lock him out. If you descend into hell, well, good luck with that. Uh, His presence is there. You can't go anywhere to hide from the face of the Lord. You can hide from your preacher. You can hide from your spouse. You can hide from your children. You can hide from your parents. You can even hide from the government, but you cannot hide from God. And you cannot withhold any information in your head from God. You can't say, God, you didn't see that, did you? God, you didn't hear that, did you? God said, no, I heard it. As a matter of fact, before you were born, I heard it. Before you were formed in the womb. You're talking about an awesome God. And he has all power. And you see how all this plays in during the week. All the things that you're going through right now. God has the power to stop it if he wants to. God knows whom he can trust. With what amount he can trust. Amen. Just accepting that will help you right now. That God knows what he can trust you with. Amen. Amen. Evidently, God knew he couldn't trust me with a million dollars. Because I don't have one. (laughs) But he knows whom he can trust with. Then we move on. You're going to have to get a renewed vision of who God is. Isaiah chapter number 6, verses 1 and 15. I mean, 1 and 5. But now number 2. It works this way. Okay. You're going to have to, you're going to have to know who you are. You're going to have to know your position right now. 
Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13. You see, we're good. We're, we're good at trying to, trying to, I guess, identify other people. You know, we're, we're good at examining other people. But this moment now, you know what you need to do? You need to examine yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, in verse 5. Remember, Paul, he has been writing to the church of Corinth. He had come there, he had spent, Paul had invested a lot of time in Corinth. Yet it was in Corinth that they questioned his motivation. They questioned him saying, you're a mercenary. You're just in the ministry for the money. And, and Paul said, you know, you know something, when I was with you guys, I didn't take a dime from you. I should have. Later on, he wrote back and said, forgive me of not taking a dime from you. <laughs> because the labor is worth of his reward. He said, I robbed other churches to do you a service. And here it is, you're criticizing me, and, and you, you, you have all these other different groups except for me, and, and, and God has given me the revelation of the mystery. But at any rate, you see, Paul wrote to people he thought and believed that were saved, but didn't know if they were saved or not. He wrote to the saints of Galatia. He said, I was among false brethren unawares. And if the apostle Paul couldn't tell who was who, who am I to tell who's who? I can't look over here and say who's who, but what I can do, I can do this one thing. I can do what Paul says. Look here in 2 Corinthians chapter number um, 13 and verse 5, uh, verse 5. He says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? You know, we're going to be looking at these three things. I told you God does things in threes. This, this number three keeps happening up. Let's see that happening. Let's see here. You're going to need to know who's who. You're going to need to know if you're the spiritual man, been saved, been born again. Amen. You've got to be born again. You can't just be in Adam. You've got to be in Christ. Amen. And even when you're in Christ, there's two categories. You have the spiritual man and you have the carnal Christian. You're going to have to discover, you are going to have to do that. I have to examine myself to see who I am. And praise the good Lord, I've examined myself. And you know something? I have enough proof to Willie Bird to know where he is. Amen. You need to have enough proof for yourself. Amen. Not just proving it to the pastor. We try to go around and prove to the pastor, pastor McGovern and say, I'm saved. <laughs> if he says, prove it, I'm offended. Who are you to ask me to prove anything? God says, well, you need to prove it to yourself first. And you know something? When you prove it to yourself, you don't have no problem proving it to somebody else. It's called a testimony. All right, so uh, who's who? You're, you're either in Christ. Is, is this? There we go. You're, you're, you're either in Christ or you're in Adam, lost, still in sin, on your way to hell. And you have to examine yourself, not in your intellect, but through the word of God. Amen. John writes and said, these things I've written unto you so you can know what to believe and so you can believe. Amen. So you're going to have to, you're gonna have to um, know who you are. They ain't working. 
I got to work it this way with it down. Okay. You see, you see, there, there are three. This morning, I, I'm going I'm to be preaching to, to everybody. And everybody's going to fall into one of those boxes. You understanding me this, this morning? There's not a soul in here that's not going to be in one of those boxes. You're either going to be the natural man who has been driven. That little man there is, is, driving, uh, is driving something, all right? And he has someone influencing his driving. It's either going to be the world influencing, uh, influencing his driving, the flesh, or it's going to be the devil. And the devil, let me tell you something about the devil. The devil, he's not just, he's just not concerned with, with telling him, hey, drive this way, drive that way, drive that way. You know what the devil will do? He's going to possess people who are lost and take over the wheel. God, God doesn't do that. God says, you invite me in and I'll come in. The devil says, I'll overpower you and I'll come in. Beware of what you subject your mind to. Because the devil's tied to it. He has a way of getting in and taking control. Now he can't take control over a person who's saved. A person who is saved cannot be demon possessed. But a person who is saved can be demon obsessed. Alright. So, so you're either going to be the natural man. And we'll talk a little bit about the natural man. He doesn't have. He don't want to have nothing to do with God. He don't like church at all. And, and if you don't all time and bring him to church, he ain't coming. He don't want to have nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with singing. Nothing to do with giving. Nothing to do with reading the word of God. Absolutely zero when it comes to God. The world of flesh and the devil... Are you in that first box? Notice where the cross is. The cross is not inside. The cross is outside. That is, they never, ever received Jesus Christ as their Savior, even though they may have prayed a prayer. You have to place your faith and trust in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That is, once you get saved, you have no problem confessing it. And right after that, he says, for whosoever believeth on him should not be ashamed. Yet we're finding some folks profess Christ and they are ashamed. Hmm. Then there's the carnal Christian. He has Jesus Christ. Yes, he's saved. But he's still allowing the world, the flesh, and the devil influence his life. And I'm going to speak to young people right now. Don't you let the devil, the world, and your flesh dictate your life. Give yourself over to the Lord and let the Lord direct your path. It'll be a whole lot better. And I want to say that if the devil hadn't gotten you yet, he wants to get you and hang you up on his trophy wall. You know, that devil wants that next generation, Pastor. It's sad to say, 67% of children brought up in fundamental churches, when they get grown, they quit church. The devil's got all those trophies on his wall. 
Or you can be the spirit-filled Christian. That is, the Holy Spirit of God is directing your life. That is, we're to walk by faith and we're to walk in the spirit. And not only in the spirit, but after the spirit. You see, you'll find this carnal Christian, he walks in the flesh and walks after the flesh. His whole mindset is all about the flesh. There's going to have to be a renewed vision of God in your life. You're going to have to see God high and exalted and lifted up like Isaiah did. And then you're going to have to get an accurate view of who you are. Are you in Christ or are you outside of Christ? You're not born into Christ's family through your natural family. That's an individual thing you have to do for yourself. A lot of times people view preachers' kids and think that preachers' kids are somehow elevated above the rest of the children, but they're just plain children just like everybody else. And I pray for pastors' children. You know, pastors' children are so often neglected. You know, you, I, I'm not saying this because of Pastor McGovern. I'm just saying this because... This is what I've seen in 45 years of ministry. That they take pastors' children for granted and say, well, I know they're saved. How do you know they're saved? Have you heard that testimony? You ought to be concerned for the pastors' children to be saved and grandchildren. Amen. And you ought to come alongside the pastor and say, Pastor, I got your back. I know you want your grandchildren, your children in heaven, and I'm going to be part of that process. And I'm going to love on them. I'm going to love them to Jesus. Amen. Many times they think that the pastor's children, the pastor and the pastor's wife is just iron Christians and they're not. Come alongside them and love on them. Not just monetarily, but yeah, do that too. They need that. I mean, Pastor McGovern, he doesn't pay bills with his smiles. He just don't. He don't go in there and say, I'd like to have this steak dinner for free. And get it. No, you don't get it. With, it takes money and all that. But... I'm just saying, you're going to have to make a decision. Will you examine yourself and see whether or not you're in the faith? Will you prove your own selves? Amen. When was the last time you told your testimony to anyone? When was the last time you told your testimony to your children? When was the last time your children told their testimony to you? You know something? You ought to, you ought to do that quite frequently. Whenever I see Marcus, Marcus, whoo, that boy's going to mess around and get old on me. Marcus turned 48 years old this year. Whenever I get a chance, we sit down and talk. I said, Marcus, tell me one more time how you got saved. I never get tired of hearing how you got saved. Sometimes he'll go into a little bit more detail. Sometimes he'll leave out some details. You know, I love relationships and stuff like that. Pastor McGovern, was, he, was, he was reminding me of something. That I forgot about that time. I think I remember a little flash of it when I was in the office. I was hurt. I had something else in my mind. We had that conversation. I felt so bad after you told me yesterday. I said, I said, I said oh, shame on you, shame on you. You should have took some time out, but you didn't. But anyway, thank the good Lord, he turned out okay. <laughs> we went over to Italy. And was able to see our, our newest grandchild. His name is Carter. That boy at three months old is trying to talk. That's what it sounds like to me. Man. I mean, he's trying, to, he's trying to talk. I mean, that's talking. You know, he, 
he was just goo, 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 goo. You know, he was trying to say something to his, his pawpaw. But I love my grandchildren. I was praying for Amelia. She's the oldest. Dante, he just turned six. And every year, when it comes around, I have like my top ten prayer requests. And in my top ten prayer requests is my grandbabies. Lord, please save them. I remember Marquise, he uh, turned 20 in October. I was praying. My wife and I said, honey, this is our top ten. We're going to pray for Marquise to get saved this year. And believe it or not, he got saved on the first day of that brand new year. And so all of them have made a professional faith except for Carter. And I'm praying for Carter. But while we were in Italy, I was talking to Amelia and Dante. And I said, uh, I said Dante, you know, Papa is going to go to heaven. And he wants to see you in heaven, too. He said, Papa, you're going to see me in heaven. I said, well, what happened? I said, Dad already told me what happened. He told me. How he had trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior, that he was in the bedroom. He was going through the details. And then his big sister, you know how you big sisters bossy? I ain't in trouble yet. I'm close, but I ain't in trouble yet. No, his, his big sister said, no, this didn't happen. No, it happened this. And Dante said, no, I know what happened. And he went over and corrected her and said, no, dad was putting some clothes into the drawer. And he went into detail and how he came to know Christ as Savior. Did a million that following Sunday, they were on their way to church, and Amelia says, Daddy, stop the car. I don't want to go another day without knowing Jesus. And they pulled that car over on the side, and she told her testimony how she trusted Christ as her Savior. We're sitting at the kitchen table, and Penny, our daughter-in-law, she's listening the whole time. And I said, Amelia and Dante, let me tell you how you can never, ever forget your testimony. You got saved when you were real small. Let me tell you how you can never forget it. And boy, Penny, she, her ears, man, is wide open. I said, whenever you get a chance, you tell your testimony to somebody. And she says, Dad, you're a genius. I'm like, really? Thank you. <laughs> Parents, I'm, I'm, I, tell your testimony to your children. And let your children tell their testimony to you. And never get tired of hearing it. Amen. That was just a little bonus. I'm just saying, listen. You're in one of these blocks. And you're going to have to make a determine, a determination which block you're in. And let me see if I can get this this way. Got it. There are three responses. There are three responses, only three responses that will take place as you respond to the question of who you are. You see, God has a message to those who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's us who are saved in Christ. We were dead, but now we are alive. Then there are those who are still dead in trespasses and sin. And we need to get a good glimpse of God that God says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. 
I want the wicked to get saved. Listen, if you're, if you're lost this morning, God's message to you is this. Why will you die? Get saved. Trust Jesus Christ that he's the son of God. Trust Jesus Christ that when he died on the cross, he paid for all of your sins. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. That's the only way you can get all of them. He nailed all of them to his cross. And that God Almighty will forgive you of every single one of those sins that you have committed are committing, or will commit. Amen. Amen. And that God and His mercy and grace will save your soul the moment you place your faith and trust in Him and what He did. God don't want you to go to hell. That's why He sent Jesus Christ. Amen. We're talking about you either need revival or you need renewed strength or you need regeneration. You see, you either project the message, or you will reject the message, or you will receive the message. God has a message for each one of us this morning. And we're talking about revival. And we're going to get into it, we get more into it in an afternoon session. Those who are in the flesh... And walk after the flesh, that's where those two categories uh, fall. When those who are walking after the flesh and, and, after, um, uh, and walking in the flesh, you're either saved. And see, those two people there, let me tell you something. I'm just going to have a good time. You see, those two people there, one is lost. See, you see the cross there? It's on the outside. You guys see that? Yes? All right, that means that person is lost. Here's this other person. See where the cross is? Pretend like you do that, okay? It's on the inside. That person is saved, but let me tell you something. When you look at both people, you can't tell the difference. Because they're saved and they're acting like they're lost. They're saved and talking like they're lost. They're saved and thinking like they're lost. And so... What that person needs is revival. Let's see what else we got on the slide here. This spiritual man, where's the cross? Is high and lifted up and exalted in that person's life. Christ is exalted in his heart. He yields himself to the spirit of God. He minds spiritual things. He is marked by spiritual songs. Amen. And it's not just on Sunday. It's during the week. Singing I go along life's road. Praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. Sometimes I make up my own songs. Do you do that? Amen. It don't sound good. I won't get a Grammy over it. But <laughs> it's, high, it's, it's the joy of the Lord in my, in my spirit and soul. All right? And he is in communion with God. And we're going to get into that this week. I have so much to give you and so little time to give it to you. Well, let's see what the next slide is. No. Oh. There we go. Some people will reject the message. This is a lost person's thinking. It's not from God. They'll say, man wrote the Bible. So I will just ignore it. That's one response you can have. Or you can have this other response. I hear you, Lord. What would you have me to do? And remember, the apostle Paul was lost at one time. When God knocked him off his high horse, he had, he had Paul penned. He said, it's hard for me to kick against the pricks. 
He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He said, I want you to rise up and I want you to go and see a man by the name of Ananias. And he's going to tell you what to do. If you're lost this morning, Lord, what must I do? What do you want me to do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what God wants. And let's see what else. Here are those who were dead in trespasses and sin. I'm talking about some that it may be some here. I hope it's not. But you're saved. But you don't want to hear from God. You don't want God to correct your life. You don't want God to rebuke you. You just want God just to stay, stay silent while you're just doing your own thing. And it's taking you down to destruction and all others that are following you. And you'll say this thing here is that God can't be talking to me. He says, because I can't. I don't want to. I haven't heard him say anything to me. That's some Christians that are that way, Pastor, is sad. You're in one of these boxes now. Or you can say, I hear you, Lord. What will you have me to do? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word and much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Isaiah, I mean, 1 Samuel 3.10. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak for thy servant here. I hope that is the response of every single believer here today. I'm not going to show any more slides right now. I'm just going to close up with a thought. If I can do that. Revival. It's for those people who are in Christ who have gone asleep. You're inactive. You don't mind the things of God. You're asleep. And when it comes to people sleeping, you have people who are light sleepers. You understand me? It takes very little to wake them up. My wife can be in a deep sleep. I mean deep. And then I'll move and she'll wake up and want to have a conversation. You know, I mean, she's just, she's just a light sleeper. Now me, you look at me when I'm sleeping, you say, man, that boy's dead. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. You have some light sleepers, then you have the heavy sleepers. But they still can be awakened. It just takes a little bit more external stimuli to waken them. Y'all with me so far? Yes? All right. You understand? Light sleepers, heavy sleepers. Then the next level, dangerous, is called a coma. When a person is in a coma, they don't hear anything outside. They say they do. Some people say they do. I'm like this. If they hear it, they can't react to it. Some people in a coma, you can take a needle and go to that little sensitive part of the foot and poke it. Nothing happens. Man, you prick me with a needle. I mean, whew, I can't stand needles. <laughs> I call them control, control stabs. 
If you're in a comatose, you can do that. You can shake them. You can beat on them. You can move them. And pastor, isn't it sometimes like that when you're preaching? Some people, it's like they're comatose. Nothing phases them. It's going to take a miracle from God to raise that type of person up. Sometimes it might take a tragedy to wake that person up. See, God knows what it takes, doesn't he? I think so. Yes, he does. God knows what it takes, amen, to wake everybody up. And so God said, listen, if you would judge yourselves, I wouldn't have to judge you. If you would go on and examine yourselves, you'll make the appropriate response to what you really, really want. Now, what about this other saint? The one that's awake. The one who's working. The one who's laboring for the Lord. I look at him as that great warrior for Christ. In my book, Pastor McGovern, you're a warrior. And he's not the only one here. I've seen some other warriors around here. You're right there, shoulder to shoulder with him, worn right with him. Amen. You know what you need? You need renewed strength. Amen. I'm a warrior. Man, I'm a warrior that's being worn out. Like I told you, I'm that 52 model with a whole bunch of paint on it. Man, I tell you what, it's been a weary war for me, especially the last two years. And God says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew in strength. Will you get back in that book? You stay in that book. You let me strengthen you through the word of God. Amen. And that's what you will need. Renewed strength. And you don't need revival. You're in a constant state of revival. You just need some more armament. It's kind of like... Uh, that President uh, Zelensky, <laughs> I thought it was very comical, but it was true, he says. He says, do you want us to escort you out of your country? He says, man, I don't need a ride. I need some ammo. <laughs> he says, you think I'm leaving? It's time to fight. Amen. And so we who are still in the battle, the danger is that we get weary in well-doing and we're tempted to faint. What you need is renewed strength. At my age now, I'm constantly asking God, Lord, I need some renewed strength. So three people up there, three boxes, one who needs regeneration, one who needs revival, one who needs renewed strength. Which category do you fall in? I close with Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's go there. I close. And everybody say amen. <laughs> Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter number 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. And verse 1. Habakkuk 2, 1, he says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what 
<clears throat> and what I shall answer when I am reproved. This morning, you're in one of those boxes. Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all you need. What do you need this morning? Do you need to be saved? If you need to be saved, God knows it. Amen. The Bible says, the Bible says the Lord knows them that are his. You're out there trying to fake it till you make it. It won't happen. If you're lost, you need to get saved. Quit trying to fool people because you can't fool God. If you're lost, listen. God ain't done with you yet. If, if, you're, if you're lost, there's still an opportunity for you to be saved right now if God's speaking to you. If God's drawing you, you should come today. Here in a moment, the pastor's going to give uh, an invitation. You ought to come down and you ought to talk to the pastor or one of his workers and say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior this day. Be like my granddaughter. I don't want to go another day without having Jesus. And get saved today. On this church's anniversary, the 33rd anniversary, get saved today. You may have made a profession of faith, but a profession of faith doesn't save you. You have to place your faith and trust in Christ. The Bible says many are going to say in that day, Lord, Lord. He says, I never knew you. He says, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. So get saved today. If you are a saint, if you are saved and you have been inactive for the things of God, you need revival. Amen. You ought to come to an old fashioned altar and say, Lord God, thank you for speaking to my heart. Lord, what do you want me to do from now? Lord God, I repent or whatever. Lord God, Lord, I'm open. Lord, just show me. Lord, just show me. Lord, give me the strength to do it. Lord, help me when I fail. Help me to get back up. Lord, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And God will see it. And God will respond to it. And if you're saved and you've been laboring for the Lord for a long time, it gets weary. It gets weary. You can take a five-pound weight, the strongest man in here, the strongest man in here, if I put a five-pound weight in your hand, it says, keep it level for as long as you can. The strongest man in here will begin. That's not God. He don't need a cell phone. <laughs> the strongest man in here will eventually have to submit to that weight. And when you're working for the Lord and you're laboring for the Lord, Pastor McGovern, I know we've been in it together. We've been in battles together. You're standing shoulder to shoulder with me. You and Mary Ann, my white man, we're, we're, we're going on. But it gets weary from time to time. And what we need is renewed strength. God's giving me renewed strength just by being here. Amen. And so, we're going to have that invitation. God's been speaking to you all week long. He's just going to intensify during this week here. So, let him have his way with me. We sang that song. So the pastor's going to come. I'm just going to want you to obey God. It's between you and God. 
is your own personal relationship with God. You examine yourself. Am I saved? Can I prove to someone that I'm saved? Can I prove to myself that I'm saved? If you can, amen. But now if you're saved and you have been inactive for the things of God, you need revival. Amen. You can't get saved over again. But boy, you can have that renewed joy. Amen. Restore to me what? The joy of thy salvation. And then if you're that weary saint, that worn out saint, man, I'm telling you, it's tempting. Man, it's, it's tempting to throw in the towel. It's tempting to just let that weight go. No, we need renewed strength. Whatever your need is, you come. And you say, my pastor, Bart, I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual woman. What God says to you, ye then are spiritual you restore others who are not. And you come and you pray and get a hold of the God of heaven and pray down some help from God to those people who need to be lifted up. Pastor McGovern. One of the verses he went to, of course, dealt with examining yourself to see whether you be in the faith. And so which box of those are you in? Um, the key is to get to that last box where the Spirit is in control of your life, allowing God to give you the strength that you need. And one of the most important jumps to make is from that one box where you are outside of Christ in Christ. That is a difference between heaven and hell for your life. That is a difference for eternity right there. Because one day you will die. You will stand before Almighty God. And we know it's going to happen. The Bible says there's an appointment once to die, but after this, the judgment. Almighty God will judge your life at that point in time. When he does that, if you're outside, listen to me, he, you're not going to say a word at that judgment. You're not, I listened to a man yesterday who was being witnessed to, and he said these words to the fellow who was trying to give him the gospel. He had asked him about when he was standing before God and God was judging him. He said, you know what, I, I would negotiate with God at that time. You're not going to say a word to Almighty God. He is simply going to show you. The Bible tells us exactly what's going to happen. He's going to open some books. One of those books is going to have your name on it. He's going to show you every single time you have broken His law. He's showing you why you're in that box. And 100% of those who are found guilty at that judgment are cast into the lake of fire. You had better jump boxes. You say, well, how do I do that? The Lord did an amazing thing 2,000 years ago. He became a man. He became a man himself, lived on this earth for 30-some years. Now get this, as a man, for the first time in all of human history, you have somebody who could stand before the Father at Judgment Day and know what the Father could finally say, you're innocent. You're innocent. Don't miss this. He lived that perfect life for you. When he went to the cross, when I say that Christ died for you, Listen to this verse, a great verse. It says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The verse might sound complicated. It's not. It teaches us what Christ did on that cross. When I say those words, Christ died for you. What he did was this. He took your place in judgment. God the Father placed upon him his sinless son, all of your sin. And he judged him in your place. He died for you. But the verse doesn't finish there. Not only does he take your sin, but he gives you his righteousness. So when you, if that takes place, think about that. If that transaction takes place where he takes your sin and he gives you his righteousness and you stand before God, guess what it looks like? You're perfect. 
That's God's requirement is perfection. Not that you have your own thing worked out with God. Not that God saved you from a car accident. It's that you look perfect before God. And God made that possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so the way that you change boxes, by the way, it's also true of that second box if you're asleep, is repentance is the key for both. It's you turning from whatever else you've been trusted and seeing your sin as condemning you and placing your faith solely in Jesus Christ. Just like that thief on the cross did, didn't he? Think of, think of, again, we talked about it last week at Easter with him. Think of what he said. He told that other thief, he said, listen, you need to be quiet. We deserve to be here. This man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, remember me. Think of what, what, what knowledge he had at that time. What he understood was this. He was dying and he's going to be judged of God. He never asked to come down from the cross. What he was afraid of was standing before Almighty God as a sinner. He went to the perfect God right next to him. The one who did no wrong. And he put his faith in him. The moment he did that, what happened? He was converted. The Lord turned to him and said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Listen, if you'll come to Christ in repentance and faith, He'll save you right there. With heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here right now, you say, Pastor McGovern, I hear you. I am not certain that I've truly been converted. I, I, I don't know. I'm concerned I'm in that first box. That I really don't know Christ. That I'm not in Him. I don't know what would happen to me if I were to die right now. I just heard you. Please, I'm not sure it's going to happen to me. I need you to pray for me. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down? Let me see it. You can put it back down. Anybody here like that, just slide your hand up for me and then put it back down real quick. Let me see it. Acknowledge it. If you put it up, I miss it. I see a couple of small children is all I'm seeing. I would need you to do it again for me. Just slide it up and then put it back down. If you say, I'm not certain what would happen to me. I need you to pray for me. All right. Yes, I see that hand. I'm still be praying for you. And if you want somebody to talk with you, I'd be more than happy to send somebody to talk with you. To make sure you understand exactly what Christ did for you. And you can make that decision if you want to place your faith in Christ right now. It's not an accident you're here. That same God he talked about is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's in control. And he certainly loves you. Say, Pastor, yes, I'd like somebody to talk with me about putting my faith in Christ. If you like that, all I have to do is look up at me and I'll send them quietly to you. And if not, that's fine. I'll continue praying for you. But I'll leave that decision up to you. If you would like that, you just look up at me. All right, I'll continue praying for you. Even if you want to come forward and pray, I can have them meet you down here at the altar. Christian? Revival started. Maybe it's praying, Lord, please speak to my heart. Lord, I, I've been asleep in too many areas. It's high time to awake. Or maybe you need to pray for somebody else. Whatever need you have, if you want to come pray, we certainly want to give time for that now. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I do pray for the one who had raised their hand, Lord. I do pray for that person's salvation still. Lord, please work. I pray your conviction and your drawing. Lord, I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 308. If you need to come and pray here this morning, you come.